15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Wait a minute. I've heard that before. That's the note Jeremy wrote to me in my yearbook in the sixth grade. How'd you even know that? Because it's from Geico. Yeah, yeah wait, here it is. Dear Luke, have a great summer. P.S. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Love, Jeremy. Geico's had this tagline for years because we help save people money. So wait, you're saying Jeremy copied you? <laughs> yeah, that actually does sound like something the J-Man would do. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, now they need to see my birth certificate. Hmm. Honey, where do we keep the birth certificates? Why? Buying socks. Socks. I'll check upstairs. It's easy to be unsafe online. You're the best. Now it's easy to help protect yourself. Norton 360 with LifeLock gives you device security, a VPN for online privacy, and identity theft protection. All in one. Opt in to cyber safety. Save 25% or more off your first year at norton.com slash news. Switching to Geico is a good idea, especially when you consider everything. First off, Geico makes it easy to switch. They have licensed agents available 24-7 online or over the phone. But if it's so easy, you might start thinking everything is easy, even big wave surfing. And it's not. It's actually quite difficult. Well, if you switch to Geico, you could save hundreds on car insurance. And you could keep saving by bundling your motorcycle, boat, and RV, plus your home or renter's insurance. But saving money might lead you to make some questionable purchases, like a 20-foot feather boa. And do you know how hard it is to clean a 20-foot feather boa? Well, they do have an industry-leading mobile app you can use to pay your bill, file and manage a claim, or add a new driver. But when life gets a little easier, it makes you too confident. And you start calling everyone ace. And you're better than that. Well, Geico has a 97% customer satisfaction rating and has been saving people money for 85 years. It's hard to beat that. But you're right. Switch to Geico. It's obviously a good idea.
Good evening and welcome, my true crime addicts. This is the fourth episode of True Crime Spirits, and I am your host, Brandy Michelle. I invite you to join me as we make our way all the way to the West Coast and land in Washington State. I know, I know, there are already so many serial killers that come out of this beautiful state. However, I won't be talking about them tonight. Instead, I'm going to talk about the death of Mia Zapata on July 7th, 1993. This is actually a case I feel should be better known. And I was actually quite surprised that I hadn't heard of it, especially considering the things that happened because of her death and the star power that came together in her name. So tonight's drink is a cherry bergamot whiskey sour scratch mead cocktail. It is distilled by the Dogfish Head Distilling Company. It's inspired by decades-long exploration of culinary ingredients built on the base of their flavorful malt whiskey. Now, I'm a little nervous about this because it's a malt whiskey in a can. No whiskey has ever tasted good in a can, so... Why don't we just go ahead and open this up and give it a try. All right, first check. Well, that is surprising. It's not my favorite, not the worst. It's pretty strong tasting from the get-go. <laughs> Alright, now on to our case. Tonight we're talking about Mia. And she was born Mia Catherine Zapata. She was born on August 25th, 1965 in Chicago, Illinois. Her and her family moved to Louisville, Kentucky when she was a child. She, her parents were divorced in 1981, and her father remarried. Both of her parents worked in media, and she was considered a, from a wealthy family. Uh, sorry, wealth and prestige meant very little to Mia, which she would actually purposely live without so that she could, you know, create that authentic expression of the creative self. Um, in 1984, she enrolled at Antioch College, that's a liberal arts campus in Yellow Springs, Ohio. She had influences of Billy Holiday, Bessie Smith, along with other punk and alternative music. Now in 1986, 
she formed the band Gifts with three of her college friends. And three years later, the band relocated to Seattle to hit the scene on the cusp of a burgeoning grunge movement. While in Seattle, Mia worked at the Deluxe as the dishwasher. She solely dedicated to herself to her music, so she wasn't about to get a, quote, straight job. Plus, she needed the flexibility to take time off when the gifts went on tour, and she didn't intend to support anything establishment with her labor. Now, sometime in early 93, Mia left the Deluxe when the gifts headed out of town for a short tour. When she returned weeks later, she stopped by the grill with two friends, including her boyfriend, who was a much older man, and the three had lunch together. She apparently checked in with the manager and got clearance to return to work. And she was back at the dishwasher within the week. On the evening of July 6, 1993, Mia was out drinking with her friends at the Comet Tavern in Seattle's Capitol Hill area. Mia, being in good spirits after she recently performed a solo show in Los Angeles, she had reportedly left the bar around midnight to look for her former boyfriend, Robert Jacobs a rehearsal space located in an apartment building about a block away from the bar. When he wasn't there, Mia went to a friend's apartment in that same building. This is where she stayed until about 2 a.m. And that was the last time she was seen alive. Now, it's not known what she did for the 80 minutes after she left the building. She may have walked either to a taxi stand or to Bob Jenkins at another house. But around 3.20 a.m., a prostitute had discovered her body near the intersection of 24th Avenue South and South Washington Street, located in Seattle's Central District. That was about two miles from the comet. Now, with efforts by medics to revive her, they were unsuccessful, and it was later discovered that she was raped and strangled to death with the cords of a get sweatshirt that she was wearing. It's believed that she encountered her attacker shortly after 2.15 a.m., and her body had, was not initially identified, as she had no identification on her when she was When Mia didn't show up for a recording session at the studio later that morning, her bandmates contacted the hospital, and then they called the police. And afterwards, they actually got up the nerve to call the morgue. And then when the ME, who's actually a fan of the Gits, said, quote, it's your singer, I'm sorry, you should get someone to come down and identify her. 
According to the medical examiner, if she had not been strangled, she would have died from internal injuries she had suffered from the beating. And according to court documents, an autopsy found evidence of a struggle in which Zapata suffered blunt impact to her abdomen and lacerated her liver. Now, other than the drawstrings from Zapata's sweatshirt as the murder weapon, there were no actual visible clues from the crime scene. There were no fingerprints, the perpetrator didn't leave any blood or any semen, and with no eyewitnesses who came forward, the police challenged investigators. There was simply not any evidence at all. This was from the King County Judge, Timothy Bradshaw. He handled the case as one of the prosecutors, though, at the time. Initially, suspicion... Suspicion turned toward Mia's friends within the music community. Everyone she knew was questioned, and detectives confiscated Mia's journals looking for clues. Her former boyfriend, Robert Jenkins, was a key suspect. A friend that Mia had visited that night told detectives that she was intoxicated and she was angry with him after the two had broken up. But he was able to provide a solid alibi. Although some of her friends still remained suspicious. Employees from the Comet and the studio were interviewed and they were angered by the lack of support and the scrutiny they felt that was unjustified. And a lot of Mia's women friends decided that the law enforcement was not pursuing her murder the way they should have. So they got proactive and they raised funds for a private investigator. The artists of Seattle's music community, including its most famous bands, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden, they helped raise $70,000 to hire a private investigator for three years. And when the funds dried up, there were no major breaks in the case. But Lee Han, the investigator, continued to investigate on her own time. And in 1998, after five years of the investigation, there wasn't any movement on the case. However, unbeknownst to the public, there was DNA, and it was in the form of saliva left on Mia. The killer had savagely bitten her breast during the attack. Now, with that DNA, the detectives were able to submit it to the database looking for any known matches and they found their man in January of 2003. It was Jesus C. Mexia, a 48-year-old Cuban native. He landed in Florida's DNA database in the December after finishing probation of a possession of burglary tools conviction. 
he was matched with a saliva sample from Mia's body that was staged succinctly in 1993 by the King County Medical Examiner's Office. <sighs> and Seattle's investigators actually submitted that DNA evidence to the database search the previous June. So it hadn't actually been in the database for very long. Jesus Mezbia was a fisherman originally from Cuba, and he was currently on probation in Florida on theft charges. He denied raping or killing Mia and claimed he was nowhere near Seattle at the time. However, traffic tickets and an indecent exposure arrest just two weeks before Mia's death proved otherwise. And after he was identified, another Seattle woman called police to report that this was the man who sexually assaulted her just months after Mia was killed. That woman did not file a police report at the time of the assault, however. Now, Mesquia has a long history of violence toward women and had served time for sexual assault and domestic battery. Every one of his prior girlfriends and his former wife acknowledged he had abused He has never admitted his guilt in Mia Zapata's rape and murder. And he was convicted in 2004 of first-degree felony murder and sentenced to 37 years in prison, where he remains today. The prosecution at his trial claimed that claimed that Mesquia saw Mia leaving the studio and followed her without her knowledge because she was listening to a Walkman to her headphones. He grabbed her from behind, threw her into the back seat of a nearby car, assaulted her, and then killed her. After she was dead, he dragged her body into the alley where he laid her, arms outstretched and feet crossed. He may have also taken her identification to stall law enforcement while he escaped, but he left behind that DNA evidence. Deny all he wishes, Jesus Mesquia cannot fight science. As of 2021, January of this year, Jesus Mesquia, age 66, died in a hospital in Pierce County, Washington on the 21st of January, but his death was only recently confirmed by the Washington State Department of Corrections. No cause of death was revealed, according to RollingStone.com. Mesquia escaped with his crime for a decade before DNA evidence obtained in the 2003 arrest of Miami tied him to the slaying. And he had been serving a 36-year sentence for Zapata's death, but the original conviction was overturned in August 2005 before Washington State Court of Appeal reinstated it in January 2009. In the aftermath of Mia's death, friends created a self-defense group called Home Alive, 
perform live organized benefit concerts and release albums with the participation of many bands, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Heart, and the Presidents of the United States of America, Joan and Joan Jett. He also recorded an album with the surviving members of the Gits called Evil Stig, Gits Live Backwards. The Home Alive group's instructors offered a range of courses from anger management and the use of pepper spray to martial arts. In 2005, a documentary film, The Gits Movie, was produced about Mia's life the Gits and the Seattle music scene. Its first showing occurred at the Seattle International Film Festival in May of that same year. And Viva Zapata by punk band Seven Year Bitch was released in June of 1994 on a CZ record in Seattle as a tribute to Zapata. Some of the songs on the album address the issue of Mia's murder directly. Following her death, Jet and Kathleen Hanna wrote a song called Go Home that was later released on Jet's 1994 album, Pure and Simple. Later, a video for Go Home was released, which depicts a woman who is being stalked and attacked, but is then able to defend herself against the assault. Mia's death caused a sense of defeat and fear within the Seattle community. The Seattle Times marked the murder as the moment that Seattle scene lost its, its sense of invincibility. Christian Storm call, recalls Mia's death as a reality check, stating, quote, They were all very tough people, and as a group of women, they are all really strong, outspoken, and hard-hitting very opinionated women and that perception of we're not victims at all in any way and this can't happen to us it can't happen to women that aren't victims I think Mia's death shattered that myth for us quote All right, guys, I guess that's it for me tonight. The story was quite short, kind of, I guess you could say short and sweet. Not really. Nothing's ever sweet about a murder. But I will be back for another episode next week. So just stay safe out there, guys, and I'll see you next time. Start your day right with daily immune support plus extra strength 5-hour energy. It contains all the great 5-hour energy shot ingredients plus added vitamins and nutrients like zinc, vitamin D3, and vitamin C to help support the immune system. It comes in three great flavors, ultra orange, pineapple apricot, and pink watermelon. All this comes in a convenient portable bottle that takes just seconds to drink. No mixing required. Daily immune support plus extra strength 5-hour energy. Get it today at your local Rite Aid store.
When it comes to working at GEICO, our best advocates are our employees, like Maxine. But since she is so focused on growing her career, we hired an actor to read her story. At GEICO, I love mentoring the new associates to help them make this a career and not just a job. And with new opportunities and job stability, GEICO has been helping people grow their careers for over 75 years. The only downside, she still hasn't met the gecko. Where are you, fella? Ready to start your career, Fredericksburg? We're hiring claim sales and service agents. Apply online today at geico.job slash Fredericksburg.